This is, of course, the Nickel Talk About Anything podcast, and I had a lot of fun today with my friend Beth Aker as we recorded in studio. Of course, she's the director of East Pasco Meals on Wheels. It serves, I believe it's like 160 meals a day, five days a week, 52 weeks out of the year to our citizens, giving them a human touch and a home-cooked hot meal. And she also uh, has recently expanded their outreach to the Genesis Community Center. Through this organization, altogether, they serve not only these residents, but also 14 other food pantries around the community. The biggest takeaway that you might get today is that regardless of your vocation, your experience, your education, you can work to be somebody that brings makes a change and brings a difference to your community. So sit back and listen, and I'd love to hear from you. Email me at talkwithnickaboutanything at gmail.com. So you were saying, though, that you, you fell asleep during the hypnosis. I did. I did. I was so What were you getting insult- hypnotized for? Well, can I say this on live air? Because I'm fat. Okay. So I went to, I uh, sought out this hypnotist, and she is helping me work through my fatness. So like just eating, you Eating know, healthy, eating, eating better. Habits, eating well, things, actually, you know, I'm a greedy so eater. That. So yeah. if, if I have something and I like it, I don't share. Yeah. And I eat the whole thing. So this is the Nick Will Talk About Anything podcast. I have a guest here in the studio with me today, Beth Aker from Meals on Wheels. And um, Hi, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So Beth, welcome here. Thank you. Uh, I love your new facility. Hey, it's kind of fun. Uh, I won't tell anybody the size of it, but it, if it looks small, it it is small you but know, you know it's, what? it's vast and the ceiling is very high yeah yeah it's very i open. think i think the shed almost killed me once actually when i was getting ready for this it was just storage in here this is a this is a shed is all this is and they were there was stuff stored in here from me from the previous uh, people that lived here and i said one day i'm like i'm gonna clean this out and i don't even think i had a plan why at that point it was it was last uh fall or like october november something like that and I think it was, I think it was on a Sunday afternoon and evening. I just decided to do that. And the next day I was really sick and I ended up feeling worse and worse throughout the day. I went to the, um, um, urgent care and they're like, we don't take your insurance. So we have no idea how to tell you what it'll cost. So I was like, fine, I'll go to the ER. I know they take it there. And that was a mistake. I should have never gone to the ER that night. I was there for three hours feeling miserable, 104 fever. And I'm thinking I got something because there was like dead rats in here and all their oh, feces. So I'm thinking poisons. I got was it hentavirus or something? And they're like, oh no, the incubation period on that is like you know ten days or something. You wouldn't have it yet. So I'm like, I don't know what it is, but that's the only. But I was thing feeling good until I went in there. And they're like, it's not COVID, you know, or anything like that. And they didn't even give me a COVID test. Like I think I looked at them. I'm like, I've never taken one. I don't plan on it, you know. And so I don't even think they wanted to try. But they ended up giving me an IV. I lay there for a couple hours felt better and they sent me home and I got better after that and then it became this after a little bit of work and some money and donated materials and well I'll that. let you know how I feel tomorrow <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been sick from it yet <laughs> since then so I think we're okay I love it though it's a yeah. and it's a great idea yeah well and it gives me the um you know I like having conversations with people you I do like getting to yeah, know you're, you're even people talking. I know I like getting to know more than what our typical, like for you and me, for instance, um, one of our typical interactions would be around some type of meeting in the community, uh-huh. working to change, you know, better the lives of people in our community. 
And so this is where we just get to sit down and talk What would you like to know, Mr. DeFore? <laughs> well, I'm not going to just sit here and like try to dig Rattle into some off. of the, yeah. But, <laughs> it's my um, deep, dark secrets. <laughs> yeah. I don't, the way you talk, I doubt you have too many deep, dark secrets. You might, I, you yeah. might have embarrassing things, but you know, that's the thing with people. Like if you just kind of say, this is me, this is who I am. And you, uh, you're open about that stuff. Nobody can really embarrass you. Right. Yeah. No. I, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I was listening to this one. I can't even tell you what it was. I don't remember. I, um, I went down a rabbit trail yesterday, a rabbit hole or whatever. Uh, there was, um, uh, I started listening to both Unsolved Mysteries and then that led me into um, Robert Stack. <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, it wasn't that, but it was like the same oh. idea. Um, but it, that was what one of the podcasts was called. And then it was like um, um, Conspiracy Theory Podcast. And that gets me every time. I'm like, I'm not a conspiracy theory nut, but I love listening the to The thoughts like, behind yeah. it. And so yeah. I'm like, I'm listening to all these, but there was one and it was something to do with a program um, where our government was trying to like sabotage other governments to get the leaders in place not like the cia would ever do that kind of stuff but allegedly sometime years and years ago they worked to um overthrow like the president of indonesia i don't know i don't even know what decade this was i don't remember and so they set up this elaborate thing where they found like a dead ringer look-alike for the guy and like hired some prostitutes or something and recorded it like it was a, a porno film and they thought that this would discredit the guy, but instead of just putting it out there, they invited him to like a viewing of it. And the guy was like, top notch work. Can I get copies of that? <laughs> so he was like, proud of it. he was proud of it, even though it wasn't him, but he was like, hey, people are going to think I'm pretty good, you know, or whatever. Oh my gosh. So, so like he just, he wanted copies. They're like, oh, well, so much for that. You know, so that's the, uh, <laughs> the U.S. government messing around where they didn't have any business and backfired. <laughs> but, you know, if you live your life without any secrets, it's like, what can anybody hold over? I you? know, because I've often thought about that, you know. If you're going to go into public uh, office, you need to make sure you got a clean background. Yeah. Because somebody's oh, sure. going to pull that stuff out. That's few and far between to find a politician like that i think one of our uh local you know representatives danny burgess uh -huh. that's from zephyr hills here where we live he's uh he's got a squeaky clean back he like he's not yes. hiding anything there's nothing for him to hide he's he's lived clean and straight his entire life uh -huh. you know spent his years in the catholic church doing everything by the books people that have known him growing up and going to high school with him are like he didn't party he didn't do any of that stuff you know there's like there's just never going to be anything that comes up on him. So, you know, it's like, why don't people live their lives that way? See, I could run for office then. Really? I could. All right. Mm -hmm. Which office would you run for if you were running for one? You know, I actually wrote my name in for president a few years ago, but yeah. I think it was just me and my daughter that voted for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Have you ever seen that it. guy, um, Furman Supreme? He wears like a big rubber boot on his head. And he's from huh. like, I don't know, like Massachusetts or Vermont or something like that. And, and uh, he... Um, I mean, it's a joke, but he tries to, like, steer, you know, kind of help steer the uh, the election conversation, I think. But he actually does, like, do the proper stuff, at least in his state, to to um, to be on the ballot. Vermin Supreme is his name. It's like I don't every know. election. I have to cycle. go look at Yeah, I'll if you Google. look up YouTube videos. Okay, so there was this one, um, this was when we lived up in Nashville. There was this guy that was running for, I think, mayor of Nashville or maybe governor of Tennessee. I don't really even remember. Um, you know, this is where my, uh, research analyst, Amy's sitting in here off camera. Do you remember what Basil Marceau was running for? Um, it was this, it was this kooky old guy and 
he would say, uh, you know, I'm BasilMarceau.com. Like, that was his website. But he would say that that was his name. And maybe he had it legally changed, I don't know. But he had all these crazy ideas that he was running for. Like, his platform was um, making sure that all the flags, the U.S. flags at the courthouses and government buildings didn't have the gold fringe around it because that was illegal. And just things like this. And it's like, buddy, that might be a fine idea, but... You know, it's not a political it's platform. Not, it's not a platform to run on. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the Berman Supreme guy that ran for president was talking about uh, truth decay and and uh, molar corruption and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I read all these puns, and so it was. Just, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's you were, so you wrote yourself in for president, but that's a little. It ambitious. is, but you know, in all in all truthfulness, I would just because I'm so tired of politicians. I am so far beyond. Uh, their mindset and I think that there should be uh, limitations on politicians when you become that uh, lifelong politician there's so much corruption behind you you know the quid pro quo that's just that's the reality of it you scratch my back I'll scratch yours and you know that that goes on uh, and and you'll never know the truth you will never ever ever know the truth of anything that goes on in the White House or any in any political office just because yeah. they're not going to tell you no and, so, and uh, don't get me started it's just frustrating on, don't get me started on conspiracies like i said i was listening to all those podcasts and it's like have we ever had a truly like clean and clear president as far mm-hmm. as just and and it's not always the president i think so many times it seems like some of the stuff that goes on that we never really know about it's other people mm-hmm. but there was one when kennedy was president like there's this isn't a, a conspiracy theory it's not even this is they have the the Freedom of Information Act, like the release of papers, where they had this whole plan um, of what they were going to do. Of course, they had the Bay of Pigs invasion in Cuba, but they had some. They were going to do these things. It's called a false flag operation, and now people are going to be like, "Oh, he's one of those right wing conspiracy nuts." Well, this wasn't a conspiracy. This really well it was a conspiracy, but it's not a theory. It, but it, it happened. happened. It happened. Like, there's no doubt about it. They went and. And uh, they had this whole plan, like the Joint Chiefs of Staff were all signed off on it, on paper. And finally, I think it got all the way up to President Kennedy, and he's like, no, we're not going to do this. But they were actually going to, um, like, set bombs. They were going to actually kill U.S. citizens, but make it look like it was Cuba that had done it, so that we could go to war with Cuba. And, And it's like, this was our government working against us. This is not a theory. It was a fact. Like, we know that this happened. And, and it's like... It just kind of makes you feel like, is there anybody we can really trust? You know, <laughs> I, and I, to to that question, I say no. Yeah, there's absolutely no one, and I think the ideals that people often start out in politics have that sure. high expectation, and that's what they want to do, and they want to make things better. But you know, five five or ten years into it, the corruption has just devoured. Yeah. So it's a disease. So why do you think people get into this, like, we call them career politicians? You know, why? I mean, that's not how our original, like, founding fathers and the earliest politicians, that's not what they did. How did we get there? You know, I think that I think ego is one. Okay. I think ego, I greed, most definitely Uh, the fringe benefits that. You know, who wouldn't want to go first class in their own aircraft oh, and, right. and have the, or their houses paid for and uh, status? You know, there. I don't know that there's a, a tremendous amount of humbleness in yeah. 
uh, or not humbleness, but humility, humility yeah. in in that at all. Yeah. Very, very few. And and you know you've got. I mean, I don't even remember who it was. I I don't I don't get terribly involved in like being caught up with whatever's the latest thing that's happening. But you know there was some little blurb or report. I didn't even click on it because I was just like, yeah, that seems par for the course. But it was, it was like it was both Democrats and Republicans, and it was like, okay, all these you know, all these, uh, like, congressmen, senators, whatever, that, you know, they, it's like, here's their salary, and here's their net worth, and you're like, there's no way you're ever going to be worth $90 million of making, you know, two to 400000 a year. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. And well, and it's hard, it's like, it's what hard you to do? justify seeing those, this elite making policies for the rest of the world yeah. down here because there's no comparison well that's and, not how it was supposed to be no, for our, our country right like yeah. it was supposed to be you guys are our representatives mm -hmm. we are sending you in our place because we can't all be there to vote so we're voting for you but you've got to listen to your constituents and mm -hmm. do what we say um rosie paulson was a guest that i had in here a few weeks back and she talked about you know, saying, hey, you know, you might not have to get caught up in all of the trappings of, of the whole political world, but we should all be concerned with what happens in government. And and she says, you need to be calling your representatives because there's they can't know everything like they don't know mm -hmm. how to handle every situation. And so there's times when they are actually looking for our input as their constituents to say, here's what we think, mm -hmm. here's what we would like to see happen. And and I suppose it's hard for somebody that's almost, I mean, I guess I'm a little jaded at times, and, and I don't think it's just jaded. It's just kind of like, it's maybe pessimistic, whatever you want to call it, but it's just kind of like, this is what I see. It's not It's not like I think that it's ever going to change in my lifetime, and mm -hmm. maybe it will. But I was like, you know what? Maybe I should at least be more vocal about what I would like to see happen, because, you know, if all they're hearing is the loudest voices out there that have the most dollars backing them, they don't really know what everyday people Mm -hmm. Or looking for, so. and that's true. I I completely agree and support that. I people around me laugh. I'm a, such a letter writer, and uh, I mean, you all know I'm quite vocal, uh, but I I like to think that I am open-minded enough to see both sides. But I'll tell you, when I see injustice, or yeah. I or uh, I'm a party to it, and it's going on around me. I always speak up. You're going to say so, something about yeah, it. Yeah, always. So to go to your politicians and voice, you have to be a voice. Because if you don't speak up, the next person probably isn't going to and, and isn't going to. And, and it's not that you get out there to ruffle feathers, but somebody needs to be a voice yeah. for those that don't have a voice. For and, sure. And, and so I think, you know, that's the job sometimes, um, I shouldn't say job, maybe it's a calling more than a job because you can do that from any vocation point or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But that's a calling that, that I believe many people have is saying, you know, your, your role, whatever it is that you do, your role is to be a voice for those that don't have it. And, and, you know, I've, I've known people in nonprofit se sectors, people that are uh, pastors or work for churches or anything like that. And, and some of them, they just see their job as just doing whatever the responsibilities of that office are. But some of them say, I've been given a voice or a platform or whatever it is. And if I don't use that to benefit others who don't have that platform, you know. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, uh, 
my pastor had asked me, well, I'll step back. Have you ever seen the movie Harriet? No. It's a Harriet, Harriet Tubman. Tubman. Yeah. I haven't seen that. <clears throat> Honest to goodness, you really should watch that. But sure. as a child, uh, when we studied Harriet Tubman, which I don't even know if they have that in school i seriously I doubt it if they did they probably changed her name <laughs> leave it to the educational uh educated people out there but anyway uh the elites that know more than us that, yeah when i was a child i could not get enough of her mm. everything was the underground railroad for me and harriet tubman harriet tubman i loved everything about her but I never really knew why, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was just drawn to her and her story and I had all of the books about her and, and I just couldn't get enough of her. And when the movie, so I've done all these things in my life and, um, I had gone to see the movie Harriet with my friends, uh, when it first came out two years ago or something. And it was just, Amber was working and it was her. Uh, her husband and her son. So we went, and I was sobbing. And Rich says, what are you crying for? And I said, I now know why I do what I do. Yeah. But it took me, what, 57 years to know. You're 57? I'm, yes, I'm 57. <laughs> I actually, am I 57? No, I'm 58. Oh, my gosh, I'm 58. I'll be. Yeah, I'm 58. I'm not yeah. 57. No, this was when I saw the movie. Okay. So that was... It yes. was 57. It was 57, yes. Um, I just thought that was something I was supposed to say. I don't know. Oh, sure. I know because I look lovely, don't yes. I? Yes. So You're anyway... radiant. Uh, it dawned on me that that's what I've always been called to do is to just be a servant, to, yeah. to serve other people and to do what God has called me to do. And if that's to use my voice just as she did but it there was such a correlation between how i view myself now mm -hmm. and why i could never get enough of her as a child and what she did for those people so so do you think do you think the story and legend not legend but i mean she's legendary do you think that the you know just the <clears throat> magnitude of her life um, actually helped to maybe shape or form you or was it just I, something yeah, you I, resonated with well i think both of them something you kind of aspired to a little bit maybe subconsciously yeah i don't know because i've always thought that i was happy-go-lucky but it wasn't until i started doing what i'm doing now and then when my mom got sick um you know my dad was a caregiver for 15 years and i i've always been drawn to take care of to be something for i've always been drawn to do that yeah but when i look at both of them that's probably why how long was your mom sick 15 years she was diagnosed at, at when she was 56 was it and Alzheimer's she passed. Or something no or she actually had five different diseases whoa mm -hmm. she had um she was diagnosed with ms first okay and then it went, uh, the, the one that ultimately took her life was scleroderma. Okay. And that is a hardening of your organs. And uh, most people, to touch them would be like touching this desk. It's an overproduction of collagen. However, uh, her diseases that she had were autoimmune, so her immune system couldn't fight anything off. Oh, my goodness. But 
the uh, the one that she had uh, hardened her organs. Okay. So she had both of her kidneys removed, and it ultimately went in and did wow. all of that. So she was sick for 15 years. Oh, my goodness. She was on dialysis. She had her kidneys removed and was on dialysis for 10. But my dad took care of her. So your dad was her primary caregiver. My I mean, there had to have been, like, home nursing and things every like day. that. Every day. Yeah, there had to for have been. Every, Absolutely, from anything you can imagine a nurse to do, yeah. catheterization, right. the whole thing, wow. he, my dad did. Wow. For 15 years, every day. Oh Took her goodness. to dialysis three yeah. days a week, every every doctor. So was he retired at that point? Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I was gonna say if not, he had to take like an early retirement, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's no. Yeah, there's yeah it was, was, and actually they had bought their um, home and their property and this huge, massive barn, and they were gonna um, restore it. Hmm. <clears throat> they bought it in June, and she got sick in August. Okay. Two months later. Where Where were they living? What What state? Indiana. Were they? They're in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's where you that's grew where up. From. That's where you're from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what, um, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, what part of Indiana are, are you from? Right outside of South Bend. Okay. All right. Yeah. As I was say, I, I love geography and if I don't know where something is, I'm always like the I'll first thing I'll do out. is I'll go, I'll go to Google maps. I'll be like, except I turned my phone all the way off earlier, mm -hmm. but I'll go to Google maps and I'll just look it up like, Oh, okay. I know where that's at, you know, and I've been to this place or that place. So, um, especially people that are like from around the world somewhere, um, I mean, like, I have no idea where that is, you mm -hmm. know, it's amazing how many like countries there are. And it's like, I have no clue about this stuff, but I know. if I'm watching a TV show and it'll like go to some scene and it'll say the little ticker at the bottom of the screen that tells you what, you know, what mm -hmm. uh, place in the world it is. I'll grab my Google phone it. and Google it right there and like start learning about it. Um, there's, there's one thing I was watching some show and, and they're in this slums in like Nairobi, Kenya, um, I think it's called, uh, if I remember right, Kibera or something like that. I could be wrong on that totally. I don't know. Like the fact checkers will get me, I'm sure. But um, it's, it's, it's like there's 2 million people that live in this slum. It's one of the largest slums in the world. And they're all in metal or cardboard huts. There's just tacked together in rows, maybe with electricity. There's literally rivers of sewage running down the road. It's just, oh my God. it's saddening oh my to no end. And it's like, I mean, 2 million people living like that that don't know any different, any different. You know? I mean, that's, they're born there, they die there, that's it. Mm -hmm. And, and so, but it just fascinates me, you know, trying to learn how to, how other people live. Um, and, you know, sometimes people see that and they want to like, look down on that, not look down on them, like to spit on them, but to say, oh, I'm glad I don't have it like that. I should feel glad about myself or other people have a response of, um, I want to, I feel guilty that I have so much and they have so little. You know, the thing is, I think if if you can find some kind of satisfaction in whatever your circumstances are, um, because there is, I mean, you know, in the midst of that, it's a terrible life, um, but they're alive in the grace of God that day, you know, mm -hmm. and so there are people that live there that actually have found some type of happiness in life. And for us to look at it and say, oh, that must be the worst. And they're probably thinking like. You know, hey, and I've it's got my their life. Yeah, it's their perspective. And, yeah. you know, you you often hear when uh, when missionaries and, and other people just travel to these other countries or third world, world countries, they'll say, you know, oh, they're so happy. You know, they're yeah. smiling. And it's because they don't know any different. Yeah. If they were to have experienced or been exposed to North America, could you even imagine? I don't think uh, they could. I mean, no, it's, it's like it you would, and I looking at, you know basketball players football players whatever they're making you know mm -hmm. have these hundred million dollar contracts and all this stuff and they're like 
you know, the yeah, way they're living is just like, I can't even comprehend Exactly. That. So, uh, yeah. so like, um, what's some, I, I know so little about sports, right? But like, I see some of these things. So you're like a fan of the Chicago Bears, pretty much anything from Chicago. So, I mean, yes. How did you just skip over like the Colts and all that stuff? Well, the Colts like... weren't in Indiana when oh, I was a okay. kid. They used That's to how be much I know. they used to be Baltimore. Gotcha. And then they came to Indiana, but uh, because we're right outside of Chicago, yeah, that makes sense. Is one, um, but Chicago is actually my very favorite city. Okay. Uh, You've never been murdered there, right? No. Not you yet. Hear, yeah, you got a funny story. Sure. So. Um, well, I gone to school in Chicago for hair and makeup for television, and I was doing a show at Marshall Fields. And at the time, now back in the day, um, my I would bleach my hair blonde in the summer, mm -hmm. red in the fall, and brown in the winter. <laughs> okay. And I did that for years and years. Well, I had done a show in uh, at Marshall Fields up there, and I was coming home. Well, I had a uh, IROC Z28 that nice. had T tops. So I'm driving home. Well, this, like, this would have been. This 70s, would have been 80s. no. This was in the, this, this was in the, the late eight late eighties early nineties. Okay. I just sorry. I'm eight. a car guy. I grew up around Flint area, mm -hmm. so like Detroit, Flint, all the GM cars and everything that are there. Like if you had shown me a picture of it somehow, I could have told you within a couple year period what that car was, and I can't tell you how I would know that. I would just know. No, that. you would just like know I just it. yeah. That was life growing up for me. So <laughs> I said Irox Z28. I immediately pictured it. It wasn't yeah. blue, was it? Actually, it was. With, with a little silver? Yes. Uh, no, gold. Gold? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, nice. actually it was. So anyway. Um, it's just the perfect color for that car. Um, so I'm coming home on the Dan Ryan. Well, there was a lot of construction going on. And I don't know if, if anybody who knows Chicago knows Cabrini Green, which is where you do not want to go okay. in Chicago. Anybody. Yeah. So... I'm driving around and it's like, you know, you got to go this way. And okay, so I take that exit and I'm driving around, driving around. And pretty soon a cop pulls me over. And he says, what are you doing over here? I said, I don't know. I said, I, I was getting off the Dan Ryan. I said, but it's got this construction. I'm supposed to go back this way. And he goes, you get out of here. You need to go out of this way. So you go down here and you get on this ramp and then it'll take you right back. Okay. And it, it was a bad neighborhood. So here I am, this blonde chick, and I think I probably only weighed 100, 105 in pounds a in a sports car with my T-tops out. <laughs> right. You know, who cares if your doors are locked? In the, in the, in the cloth sleeve, <laughs> yeah. the vinyl sleeve, they would go yeah. and store it in the back. Yeah, who yeah. cares? You know, they're just going to rip you right out of the top of that and take it off. T-tops so, were the thing, man. Like, how yeah. did that ever end? Those are so cool. I don't know. It's like, you can't know. afford a convertible? Somebody else took over GM, I guess. Uh so I leave and I get out on the thing and I'm driving around and I'm like, what the heck? Driving around, driving around, driving around. I end up back at the same place, the exact same place. Here, the same cop. And he pulls me over again. He said, ma'am, I've told you to get out of here. You cannot be in here. This is not a good place for you to be. You need to put, roll your windows up. You need to put your tops in and you need to get out of here. By this time I'm crying because now he's got me really afraid. And I mean, it, it was not a good place at all. Oh my goodness. He says, you know what? He says, uh, so we got out. I had to put my T-tops in, roll my windows up. He said, you follow me out of here. You know, he took me to get me on the right ramp. It was like 10 minutes out of his way. That's awesome. Yeah. Do not go to Cabrini Green in Chicago. <laughs> but I ended up there. I don't know where we were going with that story. But... I don't know. We were talking about sports and people get paid a whole lot. And... Yeah, but I'll tell you, if I'd have found Walter Payton in those areas, I'd have stopped with everything I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Walter Payton would have been there probably. I don't know. Uh, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And you know another funny story? 
So, well, uh, Mike Dicka, he's got a restaurant down <laughs> where, Bears, where I was, Dup Bears, where I was going to school at. And so I'd go on Mondays and I went in there one night, one Monday night and I was talking to the bartender and I'm sitting next to this guy, you know, on, on my left at the bar. And so I'm just chatting. I'm like, does Walter ever come in here? And the bartender says, yeah, he, he's been in here a few times. I said, oh, my gosh, I just love it, blah, blah, blah. He goes, why, are you a Bears fan? I said, oh, yeah, I'm a diehard Bears fan. And he says, so you know the guy sitting here next to you? And I looked over and I said, uh, no. He goes, well, uh, I'm Kevin Butler. I'm the kicker for foot for uh, Chicago Bears. I'm like, well, I've never seen you without your helmet off. <laughs> you know, I, I, fair. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't expect to see him sitting there. I mean, it uh, wasn't, funny. you know, somebody that I really, really liked, but. Yeah, I had a uh, a youth pastor growing up, and he, um, he and his family, they grew up around Chicago, not in the, you know, not in the, the nicest of areas, I guess, you know, and he, um, you know, talked about all the, they were like, they would go around stealing hood ornaments off of vehicles and stuff like that, just to pass the time, really, and it was like trading cars, like, look what I, which mm -hmm. one I got, he said one time he was trying to steal one off a Mack truck, he had a pair of, like, vice grips, he's trying to wrench on, and he's like, those things wouldn't come off, and so he says a guy, like, this trucker starts chasing after him, but it's a trucker, so he couldn't catch him, you know, and he's out of there, but um, his brother, uh, my youth pastor's brother, I mean, obviously, this is when they're, like, grown men and everything, um, I've met him a few times, you know, earlier, later on, you know, a few years back now is what I'm trying to say. And that guy, everywhere you would go, he would always see somebody famous, like, a, a you know, whether it's sports or a musician or whatever. And so we were visiting them at that point. Both of the guys lived in Jacksonville. And Amy and I had come down, visited my grandparents. So my grandparents actually used to winter in Zephyr Hills. They were snowbirds. Uh -huh. And so I was familiar with this town before this church that I met a pastor at called me to come down here. And so anyway, um, we had visited my grandparents. Then we went up through Daytona and up to Jacksonville and um, spent like a night or two at my old youth pastor and his wife's uh, townhouse that they had. So we went out to dinner with his brother and all of them. And we're in this like restaurant. And of course, they knew some like Chicago style, like Italian beefs, Polish sausages, Maxwell Street, all that good stuff. And... Um, we're having, you know, all this food. And, and so my youth pastor's brother, Art, he's like, that's Artis Gilmore. And they're like, what? You know, like basketball player from the Bulls. You know, he's like, no, that's Artis Gilmore. I promise you it is. And so finally, like, he just walked up and he's like, hey, Mr. Gilmore, I don't want to interrupt your time with your family, but just wanted you to say me and my brother grew up in Chicago. We're, we're big fans of yours. Mm -hmm. He's like, thank you. You know, and that was it. And it was just like, how do you, you know, so he, he was ready to see, you know, everywhere he went, he was looking for those guys. So, you know, I guess that's, uh, that's just part of that culture, you know, but here you are sitting next to the kicker and you're like, I don't know you, man, <laughs> yeah. you know, buddy, you're a kicker. Yeah. Put your helmet on and then I identify. Yeah. <laughs> so, I wouldn't know hardly anybody famous if they were sitting right next to me. I mean, I've met, see, that reminded me of me because I've met a ton of famous people. Yeah. I, I, I ended up, um, at evening at the improv with Jerry Seinfeld okay. and he invited me to his taping on Monday. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. This is a great story. Tell that story. Yeah. So um, my girlfriend and I um, went to California in 92 um, on our Partners in Crime vacation. And I had just gotten over pneumonia. And when we got out there was when the floods hit. They hadn't had rain like that in yeah, 100 like, years. Then they had mudslides. Yes, it was yeah. horrible. And um, I remember here. So she and I and my cousin, uh, we went to the evening. Uh, we went to 
the evening at the Improv there in LA, in LA on Saturday night. And we had to park in this parking garage. So I was telling her, I said, did you, did you guys see the Seinfeld episode of when they had got, got lost in the parking garage? No, no, no. <laughs> I said, oh my gosh, it's hysterical. Well, because we were out there and it was raining, the pneumonia set into my lungs and I got bronchitis. <laughs> so we get to the evening at the improv and we're talking about this. I said, oh my gosh, there's Jerry Seinfeld right there. And she goes, no, it isn't. I said, that's Jerry Seinfeld standing right there. So I went up and introduced myself to him, but I couldn't talk. Yeah. And uh, so we chatted for a little bit, and he said, well, hey, if you're going to still be in town, he said, come down to the studio on Monday, and I'll give you tickets, and you guys can nice. come to the show. I said, all right, hey, all right, I'm there. <laughs> so Val and I, and our vacations, literally, you just never knew where we were going to end up or what was going to happen. And so we... We go in, which I thought was the gate we were supposed to go in. Anyway, it ended up in the back of, in Burbank, it ended up at the back end of the NBC studios. Mm -hmm. So we're walking, we're just walking through there, and the, I told the guard, I said, I'm supposed to get tickets at the Jerry Seinfeld show, blah, 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 blah. The whole time I'm, I'm unable to talk. <laughs> and it's pouring. It is absolutely pouring down. So he tells us, you know, you got to go through. So we ended up going to the commissary, and Fred Savage was in there eating lunch. <laughs> and Erie, Indiana was being taped there, and Rosanna was being taped there. So we got to walk through this whole thing. And pretty soon, we hear somebody whistling, singing in the rain. It was, and I can't whistle or I would do that for you. But he was whistling, singing in the rain. So I turned around and it was Jerry Seinfeld. And he goes, hey, you, you're the girl that can't talk. And I said, yes, it's a matter of fact. So he took it, he took Val and I in. And if you go to my Facebook, you'll see our photos in there. Um, but he took us in the back. We went in where they were eating their lunch. Wow. And, um, uh. It was the episode where they were Dylan and O'Brien and they were picking somebody up from the airport and, <laughs> and where Elaine and Kramer um, were stuck on a street corner after a basketball game. That's the episode okay. we were at. It was, we had the best time ever there. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Um, so what, uh, if there was like, if there's like one person that you can meet, and I think I know who it is. Who is it that you would like, out of all of them, that you're like, I want to meet this person. Who would that be? Well, it, would it be the guy I want to go home with? Because that's Tommy Shaw, because I've met Tommy Shaw a couple times, but I'd go home with him. But that's okay, because Jeff knows about it. Yeah, I was going to say, say <laughs> this isn't even, we already talked about living like a secret, you know. Yeah, you no, yeah, You're no. pretty open about oh, this. Oh, heck yeah. So Tommy Shaw, drummer for the Sticks, right? Oh, no, he's, a, he's lead singer. Lead singer. Uh, yeah, and a, a I don't know talks. much. Well, that's a shame because you need to look him up. You Google him. You, you, he's like. Okay, you know what? I'm going to put like some pictures or something. I'm writing a note right here. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll overlay some pictures. Ryan Erlocker's on my list, but Tommy Shaw's at the top. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You know, I was in Erlacher love with him was, in high school. Here's again. He's Mike, a bear. He was a quarterback, right? No, he's a linebacker for He's a linebacker, bears. see? Yeah, okay. but the funny thing is he only looks good in his uniform. When you put hair on him, he's not that cute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. When he's bald and in his uniform, he's like, dang, that's illegal. <laughs> but you put his hair on put him. Put your clothes and, on, man. Yeah, he's you know, like, everything. Yeah, put them all on. But More Tommy Shaw, yeah. And they were big when I was in school, so I was such a huge fan. And um, my old boyfriend, you know, he'd never let me uh, go see him in concert. <laughs> so once we ditched each other, <laughs> I became free. Oh, that's funny. I know. And he's, he's never called me to play drums for him No yet. kidding. No, it's Man, a shame. Man, it's a shame. I know. 
If you don't hear me, what? As famous as you are on the drums, I mean, you had an right? Easter gig this year. I know. Yeah, nobody, no other musicians are up that early in the morning. You're I, out there doing the hard work, playing drums and high heels. Yeah. Easter Sunday morning. Yeah. I might be able to find a picture of that one somewhere. I don't know. Well, That'd I tell everybody, if you know him, you give him my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I I don't get starstruck too much at all. Like I don't, I don't care. Um, I don't know what it is like, cause I know it's not going to change my life that much. Mm -hmm. It'll be good for a fun story. And that's about it. And like a little memory, like, Oh, that was cool. That day that I met so-and-so and I might've met a couple of famous people. I don't even remember. Um, but I've got probably two or three that I think would be great to meet and hang out with. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and at the same time, I'd be like, they've got their own life and their own world and they, it, they wouldn't want to hang out with me. Um, but uh, one of Amy and my, one of our favorite comedians is named Nate Bargatze, and he's just hilarious. And and we actually got to see him down in uh, Tampa about a, not a little over a month ago. And so we had a good time with that. But I've got a, um, a, a country music singer from Texas that's my absolute favorite singer and musician in the world, Cody Jinks. And he... Um, I, I just, I would love Is to like, you can have that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm a guest um, and I got my yeah. own bottle. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, he's just awesome. You know, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to meet this guy. And so forget what it was, but we do this thing where we'll like look up. It's like, a, it's just to see who can be the best sleuth and figure stuff out. You can find um, where people live based on property tax data. Like, you know, uh -huh. that's public records, right? So are voter IDs. And so sometimes we'll just, like, I'm not going to be a stalker and, like, do anything about it. It's just fun to, like, okay, figure it out. Done. And if you if you own a, if you have a corporation and you put your home in the corporation, it's a little harder to find. But if you have any idea what the name of their corporation might be, you can always you can look up the, re the owner's records or you can look up that person and see if they're attached to any corporation. So there's always ways to do this stuff. And, um... There's, you know, we find out where Cody Jinx lives and, you know, we're like, wait a second. The, the road, the, like the name of the road, um, is called seldom seen road or way or something like that in whatever town in Texas. I don't even remember. I was like, wait a minute. He's got a lyric in his song is talking about never alone, always lonely is the name of it. You know, like as a musician, he's never alone. Uh -huh. There's always people around him, but he's always lonely when he's out on the road and he's like, and then the next lyric goes easy to find seldom seen that's like the lyric in the song i'm like wait a minute he, no! put a clue right in the song. Like, you can find me really easy no! seldom seen road you know but anyways it's like wait a minute you know so i didn't feel i didn't feel so creepy like looking uh -huh. up where this guy lives anymore um but uh i think the reason we were doing that too was because he did this cool video where randy travis is one of his idols, idols. and that's one of amy's idols as well and so there's this video with Cody Jinx sitting there in somebody's house, you know, playing an acoustic guitar, um, He Walked on Water was the song, which is Randy Travis' song. And then the camera kind of pans out, and, and you can see there's Randy Travis. He's at Randy Travis's house singing Randy Travis' song, doing a really good job of it, too. Wow. And, and Randy Travis is just smiling. This is recently, like, after he's had the stroke, and he's doing, like, he's progressing, but... You know, Randy Travis, he's not really talking very much, very well not singing anymore, very much. Yeah. He's getting closer and closer to that. But, um, you know, so just for, you know, and it makes you think like even famous people have their idols that they look up to. And they're mm -hmm. like, to be able to put a smile on Randy Travis's face, what a yes. cool memory for him, you know? Yeah. Um, I saw uh, when Hart did, uh, Nice. I forget where they were at, um, what is it, Radio City Music Hall uh -huh. in New York? <clears throat> 
and they did Stairway to Heaven from Led Zeppelin. Yes. Did you see that? And Robert Plant sitting up there crying Dude, were you because there? he would. I wasn't there. Oh, you just saw that video. Yeah, I saw that, that video. That video is legendary. Though. Yeah, it was so beautiful. But to your point, that's exactly, I mean, they were moved yeah. by someone else's performance of that well, and their fans and I think of part theirs. of that was because, um, was it Jason Bonham, John Bonham's son, was, he was on the drums for that song and he had a bowler hat like oh, his I don't dad know. would have. Really? So I didn't I think, see that I part. think that was actually like kind of the behind the scenes explanation for why he was like moved to tears oh, because, so you because ruined it for me. no, but, but it still was a, a super powerful yeah. performance. And, and so like, um, you know, that one, I remember seeing that and it brought me to tears just seeing that. Mm -hmm. And, and the way, like when they open those curtains on the video and then the choir is like back there, like singing the, the backing parts of that song, it's just, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if that doesn't move you, there's something wrong. You know? Yes. Well, I saw, I, you know, I don't want to get into the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing, but. Oh, let's do it. It's um, fun. On, on Ellen, <laughs> or I think it was Ellen. She had pink on there or Jimmy Fallon. I, it I was might have been Jimmy didn't Fallon. did they cancel Ellen's show or something? Yeah, it was on Jimmy Fallon, but pink was on there and she's a huge Johnny okay. Depp fan. And the guy says, well, you know, if there's anybody you've ever, you know, could you meet, who would it be? And she's just a huge Johnny Depp fan. Yeah. Well, then pretty soon Johnny Depp comes walking oh, out. And nice. she was so embarrassed. <laughs> and just, you know, oh, she my God. She's fangirling over him. Yeah. yeah. So, you yeah. know, everybody has their own idols and, uh, you know, yeah. people they want to meet and starstruck. I think um, I think the other one that, you know, I joke with Amy about that I could really hang out with pretty well because we're like, we're one in the same. Like, he and I are identical is a. Uh, uh, Chip Gaines, like Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yes. He and I, I had this dream one night where he and I were just, we were building stuff and we were just hanging out like a couple <laughs> dudes. And I woke up and I told her, like, this actually happened. Like, this dream was so vivid. I'm like, I believe this actually did happen and that I went there, I teleported or something. I'm not sure. But Chip and I are tight. And so to this day, I still feel like he and I could actually you could hang sit down out. and have dinner. Yeah, he and I could sit down and, oh man, we'd be grilling steaks and mm -hmm. stuff, talking about, you know, the only difference between me and him is he's just so much more successful at everything that he does. <laughs> like I would, I don't I, know if he would have seen Emma's uh, little kitchen that you did. I'll oh, bet he'd man. be impressed. Dude, I'm telling you that thing. I um, I think it's more sentimental for me <laughs> than it is for anyone else. I'm like, she's outgrowing it pretty much, where she doesn't really use it too often, and and I'm like, I don't. What do I do with it? Like, I, I don't want to put it in storage for what? Like, if she has some kids and they want it, I don't want to sell it. I mean, I could probably sell the thing for hundreds upon hundreds of dollars. But um, I spent I spent about 40 plus cumulative hours building that kitchen for her for her, I think, second Christmas or uh, when she was two years old. And I mean, it's got light up burners. I know. Like it, LED it's lights. very impressive. Uh, an very oven impressive. with a pull out shelf, and a, mm -hmm. there's a light that comes on in there to simulate the heat idea. It doesn't really warm up. It has a, a microwave. I put a timer dial on it and a light and a little fan that I had. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, a, you know, it's just like I went over the top with this thing. It's got a sink, no running water, but there's an actual like little bar sink in there. And I just went crazy with this thing. And, um, but I enjoyed making it for her. And, really the look on Amy's face when she saw it for the first time because she hadn't been seen. I didn't let her see the updates. And when she saw it before Emma was ever awake, it like she started tearing up. I'm she sure. Like, I, I'm sure because it was just a magnificent piece of work. You yeah. did a phenomenal job on that. Yeah. yeah, it was very good. So, um, oh, I was trying to think. I don't know. I got, got sidetracked. I started picturing Texas because, you know, we actually went, uh, my cousins moved to Waco, Texas. And, mm -hmm. um, I've got two cousins and their sisters and then their husbands, they moved down there. 
and so we got to kind of tour some of the you know Jim like Jones? a silo no we didn't do that <laughs> okay. um i have no idea like well because I, I think that i think that, that was, was a little outside of waco anyway i mean yeah. i remember it for sure but um again conspiracy theories like the government went in there and straight up set fire to that place you know while people with kids were in there um but anyway yeah i'm, I'm familiar with <laughs> with that event but but uh we toured like the um um the silos you know that that uh magnolia you know whatever they call it magnolia group has you know chip and joe oh group. chip and yeah yeah okay, we yes. toured all that stuff and it i'm telling you they have run that business better than almost anything because what they've done is they've incorporated they've got a food truck court and there's so there's all these people that own their food trucks they have a place they can park they can sell they can pull up and leave if they want they've got a bakery that they set up they've got the mercantile store that's got all these cool little things and some of it's a little kitschy or cheap but most of it's pretty good quality mm-hmm. stuff you know it's not like it's not like going to a lot of tourist towns where it feels like the same t-shirt shop over and over again you know um and and i can't even remember there was just so much like the other restaurant that they have just the economic impact that 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 um that couple and that family has had on their community is huge and i'm not saying they changed it but they brought a renewed interest they made waco cool again like mm-hmm. a redemption after after the you know the stuff with the after the fall the, um yeah. that that cult and all that had been shot up burned up but they they did a lot of cool stuff there and, and still do and and then the people that have been on their uh fixer upper show you know like what's his name jimmy that makes the like the metal signs and stuff and clint that makes the tables and all mm-hmm. these other things um my cousin's husband went and worked for that company for a while just building their little crafts oh. that they sell. Um, we actually went out to Jimmy's like sign shop, whatever it's called. I don't know. And I talked to him and he's just obviously like, he's just this big old boy, like kind of, you'd picture him wearing bib overalls, you know? And, and, um, you know, he's running, yeah, he's running his shop though. And of course he's been on TV, but he's still running his business like a regular guy. Cause he is. And he had this old, it was like an 86 Chevy four wheel drive, two tone. It was just perfect. Uh, what a lot of guys call the square bodies these days, like most trucks are square. But anyway, um, I just started a conversation with him about that. I don't care about his time on TV or any of that. I'm like, that your Chevy, you know, like that's, that's tight. I love it. You know, it's pretty cool. And just then I look over and there's two year old Emma running across this field away from everyone. Like there's nowhere for her to go is Texas oh. It's a long run, but I'm just saying like, where does she think she's going? You know? So we just talked for a minute. I'm like, I better go get my kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, that's the way most, I mean, there's some people that are, you know, crazy famous, crazy rich that are unapproachable, but most people are pretty laid they back. They put their pants I mean, on just like you and I do. I have they said jump that into them and just, Absolutely. They just, they just jump in the air and pull them on real quick. That's how I put my pants on. Sometimes you lay down and hope your belly flattens <laughs> this way. Uh, kind of like the Golden Girls, you know. When you lay well, down, things <laughs> fall off to the side. <laughs> I wonder how long before we would get into a Golden Girls. Sorry, I'm so, I can't help it. It's just it's human nature. Or not in human nature. It's just natural for me. It just, <laughs> they roll right off my tongue. Oh, man. Um, so, you know, you're talking about trying to get your pants to fit. And I finally decided that I'm not getting it. Like, I'm not going to size up anymore. Like, I'm not going to get the next bigger size pants. I'm done with that. So I said, okay, I've got to at least, at least plateau off or lose some weight. So we started going to the gym a while back. And you know, the funny thing is as a, as a local pastor, the, um, the work uh, the wellness center at the hospital, they've got, um, where they'll, 
they'll let local pastors in for free. Mm-hmm. But I found out that I was never going there. And part of the problem was, you know, the couple times that I did go, I kept bumping into people I knew. And it was either like self-conscious or I felt like I was supposed to talk. And I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to go there and ignore everyone. Well, then Planet Fitness came in. And I used to have a membership there when I, before I moved to Florida. And, and it's like you can go in, you put your headphones, your AirPods, whatever in, and you just get to work yes. out. So we Hello. go there about three days a week and do fairly well with that. Did mm-hmm. you start going to Planet Fitness yep. too, right? Yeah, I, I, go, so. um, I just go and do my walk. I okay. walk there. Treadmill thing? Yeah. I can't stand treadmills. Well, you know, outside. I know, but I can't do the heat. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it just makes me sick. Heat, I heat, and I do not well, do well. Kind of ever. in the wrong state for that. I know. But anywhere, <laughs> you know, everyone said, Beth, why are you, because I've always hated heat, but after menopause, it just got worse. Mm. And I think that I, you know, when they take my temperature, it says 98.6, and I know that's lying because it feels <laughs> like it's 150 internally. Yeah. And I cannot, I just can't do it. So I've always been that way. However, um, people would joke and say, what do you move to Florida for? Because it's hot and humid back home. Yeah. It just doesn't last as long as it does here. That's for certain. Um, that's but the it. nice thing is we're, we have air conditioning. Yes. I don't do. know how people used to live in Florida back, I don't know how long ago, but before that was common. Exist. Right. Um, the older homes, they all have either like the jealousy windows mm-hmm. or like, where all of them are like you turn the crank and they all swivel mm-hmm. out like maybe three sections. Our house was built in I think like 1974 maybe something like that in the 70s and and it um, as far as I remember it was it might be older I don't know but um, all the windows are like just these cheap aluminum frames single pane I think it's three thirty seconds thickness glass and every time if I actually open one it always sounds like it's about to shatter one of them and so you get them open and you're like okay. Whew. We made it, um, <laughs> but uh, I did have a broken window pane um, that stayed broken for a good number of years before I finally replaced that. Um, and I keep telling Amy, I'm like, listen, I'll get it done. You don't have to nag me and nag me and nag me every six months to hurry up I and do it. I don't think she nags. <laughs> no. I don't, I don't no. think so. But that's my good joke. You know, like it's every six <laughs> yeah. months. You don't have to nag me every six months. But. You know, my house has the jealousy windows, too, and we replaced uh, a lot of them in the back area. But over my dining room, uh, they're the slatted ones, and you yeah. screw up. And I got to tell you, I love them, and I love the charm and the character of them. Mm. And honest to goodness, they are very, very snug, very tight, so okay. I don't feel like there's any air getting out of those whatsoever, yeah. but I love the look of those windows. I don't, and you can't replace them like that at no, all. No, they're not making them that way anymore. You'd get the white uh, it, double pane or yeah. whatever. I used to wonder, why do they have these windows, you know, like, why is that on all these old houses, and I finally realized, oh, before, like, air conditioning was a major thing, you needed all the window to be open to get as much breeze sure. in there as you could yeah. and so it's like the whole it's not just raise the sash and you get half, half of, it. of it you get the whole thing opened up that's and true. so that's it's like true. you got to get some cross-through breeze so mm-hmm. there's actually i mean you're familiar with this a type of architecture in florida the cracker style house and yes florida crackers are it's not like a racial thing it's like the whip crackers for cattle yes cattle like old ranchers and stuff and so allegedly that's where the you know the term, the term came came, from. that is where the term came but from, uh, yeah. so I, I tell i tell my daughter emma that she's a little little cracker baby because she keeps like she's always taking her shoes off and running in the dirt and all this i'm like she's a florida cracker you know uh-huh. she was born here she's that's all she's that's ever all known she knows. is living here so um i say you little cracker you know and so <laughs> anyway um 
they, they would build these houses though and 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 i actually kind of fell in love with it i want to build one someday where um most of them are built on a little like on like pedestal like brick uh, pedestals instead of on a ground foundation but a true cracker style home has a larger overhang on the roof to provide more shade so the sun isn't blasting right through the windows and then they would actually make like a like a breezeway kind of between like maybe you'd have your kitchen area and some other rooms over here and then all your bedrooms on one side but you can open up the big doors so that you'd have this whole breezeway through and it kind and of so just air pulls air cross, through it yeah, and everything cross breeze. and so they built houses specifically to keep them a little bit cooler and i'm like you know all that went away with all these like energy efficient windows and mm -hmm. better insulation and air conditioning and all that and i'm like there was something about the way they built them that was just brilliant you know and now we're just like we don't have to worry I'm about that <laughs> yeah imagine the using yeah. that well um where my house sits <clears throat> and the way that it sits we have it's, it's not necessarily a that breezeway walkway but it's open it has mm -hmm. the same style open floor plan and we get a cross breeze yeah constantly i don't care if it's hot out we still get a cross breeze coming in from the from the way that it sits and the area of the hill. Yeah, I love it. Love it, love it. Now, how long have you lived in Florida? I've been in Florida since 2006. What's that? 16 years. Yeah, so what brought you guys down here? <clears throat> Jeff, uh, on a whim, applied for a job as city uh, the chief horticulturist for okay. the city of Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And um, he got the job and we said, okay. Here we go. So then how'd you get up into Zephyr Hills area? Uh, the company that he used to work for in Ohio, uh, he had his own business in mm -hmm. Indiana. And then I- Because he's I a certified arborist, right? He's an arborist and a master gardener and a nice. horticulturist. Yeah. <clears throat> and- um, <clears throat> Which are three okay. related but separate things. They're all that's three, pretty, That's yeah. pretty cool though. They're three separate, yeah. So, uh, and I got transferred with my job to Ohio. So he sold his business and we, moved to Ohio when I went to Ohio. That sounds terrible. Well, it was because I went to Ohio in Ohio. April and my job was done in November. Oh, wow. And so they said, well, you can transfer out to Kansas City. And I said, I, I'm not going to follow you across the street. I'm not <laughs> doing it again. So because that was my third transfer within the company. Oh, my goodness. Who are you working Sprint. for? Then? Okay. I was with Sprint. And um, so, well, it was United Telephone and then it was Sprint. So, uh Jeff applied for a job here <clears throat> on a whim. Okay. And uh, went to Fort Lauderdale. Well, then the company that he worked for in Ohio called him and said, we've got a position mm -hmm. in uh, St. Leo. Would you come back? Okay. And so. Which that's the university that's, that's up here in St. San Antonio, yep. Florida. Yeah. Yep. So uh, we came up and looked at it over a weekend. And I was so glad because I hated living down there and and it wasn't that I, what i hated about it was 365 days a year it was the exact same thing mm. exact same thing it was never a, a break never a change and um all of their 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 roads and it just goes from one to the other to the other to the other there's no break so you might be in plantation to sun to sunrise to tamarack uh to and they just all are connected and a side street is eight lanes. What? A side street is eight lanes back and forth. So you got four on this side, four, and it's constant 
all the nuts. Yeah, and I, I just hated it. And um, so when Jeff had the opportunity, I said, oh, yeah. So he came up to work at St. Leo University mm -hmm. doing, I'm assuming doing that same stuff, like uh, gardening, he, horticulture. Yeah, he was grounds director at Grounds director, nice. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so was that when you went to work for the post office there? That's actually how I got to okay. the post office, yeah. So you didn't have any, like, postal experience? Really I had none. That. I had none. So what was your, like, starting? So I went... Uh, I went over to see him for lunch one day and I said, Oh, I got to go to the post office. He said, well, there's a post office right over here on campus. Yeah. So, um, I went over and I talked with Cheryl. And so when I came home, I said, I know where I want to work. And he said, where? And I said, I want to work at that little post office over there. It was so cute. It's just this little bitty trailer, you mm -hmm. know? Well, the very next day, Cheryl calls me and she said, Oh, your husband said that you wanted to work here. She said, I have a position for a PMR, which is postmaster replacement. She said, um, I need somebody to work for sat to work on Saturdays for me. Oh, okay, so it's replacing like when the postmaster's not yep. on duty, mm -hmm. you're there. Yep. I said, Oh, okay, so that was in March. <clears throat> so I went in and did all my paperwork, filled it all out, never heard anything. Well in May well so I mean, they hired me. So in May, after all of the fingerprints and the background checks and the whole thing, which took about eight or nine weeks, um, they said, okay, you were ready to start. Cheryl left that post office. Okay. And took a job at Durant. Okay. And it was empty. It was yeah. open. They said, well, here you go. The whole thing. Here. So here. you're in charge now. And so literally I walked in and there I was. And I was there for um, about almost 10 years, nine and a half wow. years. So you started <clears throat> out, no post office experience, not, none of that. Mm -mm. And they're like, your first role there is running it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have questions. First of all, the post office is not, is or is not actually owned by the federal government. It is not. It is not. That's what I thought. They don't receive funding really from the federal government no. in the sense that they're overseen. But, but it's overseen or controlled mm -hmm. by it or, or oversight mm -hmm. by the federal government. So when people have like all these crit critiques or criticisms or complaints about, you know, the post office being a waste of money or a drag on the country, that's not really accurate. No, no, absolutely So why do people, not. like, where did we get that idea from? Because it's US it used to be. Are, it no, used it, to be. it used to be. Okay. Uh, and I think it, that, uh, if I could remember, the act, it was in, in the 70s, I think, when that uh, dissolved, deregulation and regulation, okay. and that was when that was. Uh, and the unfortunate part is the government still controls a lot and you know you've you've heard often about the the uh post office being in financial mm -hmm. ruins and part of that a, a very big part of that was because the government required the post office to pre-fund their retirement okay so they had to pre they had to set aside all of the money for who was going to retire in the years they ahead. have to set it aside now not, yes. not like every year yes. as you're they had, they had to pre-fund that and and that's they like could crippling never... you that's taking all of your capital that's exactly what it did and it was just this constant wow. battle yeah and and um it was uh while trying to keep up their buildings and yeah probably had to purchase them from the government somehow mm -hmm. or whatever and you know uh so you could never really get anything done and the other part of it was I questioned so much of the, the management techniques and mm -hmm. <laughs> the procedures and processes. Uh, there, You just saw a lot of waste. I'm sure you kept your mouth shut about it, too, and you never, I did. never I ever never said, said anything. I never said a any, word. Yeah. 
well, you know how well that goes over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but. So what, um, you know, I mean, you were on a college campus, but it was a, it was a post office. Mm -hmm. United so States Post Office. Because there is a post office in town, too, isn't there? In, San, in there's San one in San Antonio, but St. Leo But St. Leo has its, its own. own. Mm -hmm. Okay, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. So It was there before the university. Code. It was a college. Then. Really? Okay. It was, a, it was actually a parochial school. Yeah. Yeah. So so is that a, um, uh, like, its own zip code then for that? It is. Post office. And the, the biggest reason. What is that zip code? 33576. I was just making sure. 33574. I'm sorry. 33576 ah, is San Antonio. Okay. But the biggest reason, and they were going to close that, um, but St. Leo did a tremendous amount of mail, and they hmm. had a bulk account. And I don't, you, I'm sure you probably know what bulk mail is. Yeah. Um, but people hate to do bulk mail okay because it's not an easy, easy but i loved it mm -hmm. i love doing bulk mail and actually when i started there i think there was uh, one bulk mail permit and when i left there were seven okay yeah seven bulk mail because it was and so that's what kept us there was those bulk mail accounts i see so you guys um you didn't have any um like delivery cars, package cars. I did have like no, that. but I had a post office. You had a post I office. I had a post office. So we had uh I don't know, one zero zero one twenty four fifty. I think we had two hundred and fifty post office boxes. Yeah. And so, then did you do delivery within the campus at all? Or was that yeah, or was we, that the campus's yeah. job? Uh it was both. Okay. All of their mail came to me. Yeah. I sorted it and processed it. Yeah. And then they came, once that was done, then they would come pick it they up and then it. they took it to their mailroom. Uh, I worked on a uh, college campus for a while in Nashville, Trevecca Nazarene University, and uh, I was going to school there. Um, and and they had, you know, the mailroom and Miss mm -hmm. Paula ran the mailroom for many years. She was fantastic, well-loved. Um, her husband, Marvin, is a worship leader at a church there on you know, Nazarene church on the campus and everything, but uh, Miss Paula had her, you know, it wasn't really a post office, it was the mail room, but, you know, they had the, the boxes for all the students, and they were still like old school with little mm -hmm. dials for the code Absolutely. on them. And, and so, you know, the best thing was when you would have to, like a card where you had to get a package from her or something, and, mm -hmm. and she just, she was so sweet with all the students and everything, but they also handled, you know, the mail, I think, too, for the, you know, like from the post office, they would bring it to the college, it would she would sort that out, and it would go to different um, departments so they had these big like bags you know almost like an oversized bank bag and everybody the mail for the different departments would go in there and they had an employee with a golf cart like that was his job was mm -hmm. delivering the mail all over campus that's actually what yeah. St. Leo did yeah so yeah. that's that's Their fun little stuff. golf cart would come over and uh, pick it up and... college campuses can be a fun place to work I mean you know there's it's there's it's not that there's no work but it's kind of a little bit laid back um, you, you take a little pride in what you're at because you've got your own little community there and you get to know people from different mm -hmm. departments. Um, I had fun when I worked at that college. Uh, I, I, I was, any job I've ever had, I've always tried to be valuable in some way or another. And it's not that it's like trying to outshine other people. It's just always been that's how I work. Mm -hmm. And so it apparently was noticed not necessarily by the people that set my pay raises um but but by um by by the accolades by other people no like they would call me uh, we had uh, at the time we had the nextels for a while which was oh the best i remember thing the nextels uh, yes, they do. Bought nextel yes they did you know what just to make fun of that um 
Well, we worked at when I was at Sprint and we bought Nextel and we, it was actually out of Des Plaines, Illinois. So we learned how to talk really fast. <laughs> Sprint, what to hell? May I help you? I'm sorry. No, Sprint Nextel, may I help you? <laughs> so we used to say, Sprint, what to hell? May I help you? <laughs> what did you say? I know. I Sprint, yeah, I thought you said Sprint, what to uh, hell? No, I said Sprint Nextel. All right, meow. All right, meow. <laughs> Are you saying meow? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I digress. Yeah. No, so um, we ended up, you know, after the, we were done with the next sales, which I thought was the best phone ever, especially for like contractor type guys or whatever, mm -hmm. because you can hear that little pretty, you know, that, that chirp, Absolutely. you could hear it over whatever equipment you were running. And then somebody got the brilliant idea to get these little like stupid flip phones <laughs> that were terrible. And I think that was, we went to singular wireless at the time. That's what it was. And so, um, um, oh man, now I forgot why I was even brought up the Nextels and all that. I don't know. But, yeah, who knows? It's okay. Oh, that stuff happened. <clears throat> but it was. Oh, I know. I would. I would get these calls from people like on my work phone, my campus phone, you know, and they would call me for because apparently, you know, all the work phone numbers were on a call list, and so I get these people from different departments that they needed maybe a bunch of boxes were delivered and they couldn't carry them up the steps or something ridiculous and they would always call me like hey nick can you help us out with this and i would do that i would get all my regular work done through the week and i would help all these other people but i remember one day where i thought for sure i was going to lose my job because it was coming up to um it must have been graduation or, or homecoming one of the two one of the like really two largest events you know on the college campus and my boss on the grounds crew, I worked on the grounds crew, and my boss was, I don't know, like, he just didn't want to get anything done in advance, so he would wait until the week of that big event, and like, hey, we got weeds in the flower beds, they've all got to be pulled, we've got to trim all these bushes, we got to pick up all these leaves, like, just everything, it's like, are you serious, man, like, why haven't we been working on this for two weeks, and so, so there's all that pressure going on, and then, I have all these people asking me to do stuff. The guy, that, the chef at the kitchen, he needs these two giant barbecue grills moved. Well, you got to use because a big you tractor. Got it done. Yeah, they need this tractor with the forks on it to pick <clears> them up because they're huge. I mean, it would have taken like six guys to pick one up. They're massive. And so, like, I got to move them and then I got to do this thing and I got to do that thing. And then my boss is having me do stuff. And then his boss, which is a plan ops supervisor, is calling me for stuff. And that's the guy that I snapped on. <laughs> um he's like hey why isn't this thing done and i just went off i was like well because this and this it, like who which boss do you want me to answer to right now and um and i just you know went off for about a minute and then he's like okay and and he hung up and i was like oh crap i think i just lost my job you know and so i found him out like i did the stuff and i was like hey glenn i'm really sorry about all that like he's like nope i heard how much pressure you're under i appreciate you getting that stuff done i was like oh good <laughs> you know well but he, he probably needed to hear that otherwise he you did know, yeah he really did and i i mean i was young i needed to have that under control a little better and like handle you know mm -hmm. handle it better um but i mean well, we all have those breaking points. no and you know <clears throat> i think it's times like that we've got to learn we've got to know how to um how to you know say like okay I still have to work with, with or you. around this person. And so I want to be able to continue doing that tomorrow. But right now you need to hear that you can't just expect the world out of me. I'm one guy. And what about my four coworkers that are on the same crew as me that aren't doing jack crap? Because they did, you know. And so um, there were there were times where I'd be out there working with a, a cold in the rain 
and they're hunkered inside, hiding somewhere where they. And that's why they always came to you because you were the one that, that got it, it done. Absolutely. So, you know, I learned one big valuable lesson in those days. Um, beside, I mean, one that really sticks with me. There was this one guy that would call me all the time, and he'd always say, "Hey, buddy, I need a favor from you." And I was like, "Okay, sure." And I'd do whatever you know thing that needed because it's for the same team, right? It's for the, it's, it's mm-hmm. all on the same college campus. We're all you know, working to the same goals overall. Go to the organization. Yeah. And then I realized finally one time I called him and needed help with something that, that he was able to work with or help with. Oh, man, I don't know. I can't right now, you know. And it was just a bunch of excuses. I was like, oh, one-way street here. I see how it is. And so I just started learning a lot about, you know, just human nature and how mm-hmm. easy it is sometimes for us to really take advantage of other people but make it seem like we're friends and it's really i'm like we weren't friends Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like we were just i was somebody that was there anytime he needed the help and and we were friends but i'm saying like it wasn't those things weren't Uh, i did have a good time he and i came down to orlando to help with some relatives of his when there was like three hurricanes came across and i think it was 2004 or five um, oh, like it was right before we Florida. came out. Charlie, I think that was. Yeah, Charlie yes. and some of those. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. live here, so I was like, it's not burning in my mind like residents at the time were, but um, he had relatives whose um, like trees were all over their houses and everything. And, and so I bumped into him one, like, I think Saturday morning. He's like, what are you doing this weekend? I said, nothing. What's up? And he's like, I'm headed down to Florida, you know, to cut up trees and take generators and stuff. He's like, you want to come? I'm like, let's do it. Yeah, let's so go. So we hopped in his Ford Ranger like an hour later, and we were blasting that we made it from nashville tennessee to orlando florida in just over nine hours and that was like we made two gas wow. stops and one of those stops we called in an order to uh, sunny's barbecue that was on that exit and like picked it up at their walk up or drive through window or whatever ate it in the truck because we're going 90 something miles an hour down the road in this little wow. ranger nine hours fly like had to have been a record you know oh i'm sure so, so it was a good time though but i i love stuff like that and i think that's where well I started loving like kind of the emergency, uh, not emergency services, like paramedics and stuff, but just getting stuff accomplished. Mm -hmm. Well, when I grew up in Michigan, we had like snowplow trucks. And so we, you know, dad would, and then later I had my own, I would plow snow. And that always felt like, hey, we're clearing the way for people to Mm -hmm. get where they need to go. And so then when I had that hurricane cleanup experience, I was just kind of like, I get to come in here and and help these people be able to actually get out of their home, you know, and Mm -hmm begin the process of getting the supplies they need to rebuild, you know, and things like that. And so it was just, it was exciting, you know, at that time, like it was just the adrenaline of it. And uh, I said, I love this, you know? And so I've always, since I've lived in Florida for over seven years now, I'm like, when people are like, there's a hurricane coming, I'm like, Ooh, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm like, I hope it's just a little bit of damage that people can recover from and don't get hurt, but, I, but there's something to clean up, yeah. you know? And, and people don't understand that when I say it, but it's like, I, I just feel like I'm actually really helping people in a time mm-hmm. of big need right there. And I love that. So. Well, and you don't want, you don't want all that big hype and then nothing. We went to uh, the Michigan 400 many, many years ago. And I don't know if you've ever been to a race without a yellow flag, but it sucks. Oh man. Yeah. Not one. I'm like, would somebody please wreck, please <laughs> right. crash, right. hit a wall. <laughs> bump into somebody or something because this is the pit broom like this the whole yeah. time yeah so you, if you don't really want a hurricane you want a tree to fall down or something now what's not fun is when it's like the final two laps and they keep 
banging into each other and then there's another yellow flag for like 16 more uh, laps and you're like okay we were yeah, done come on. we were yeah. done now like can we just can you we know, be done with this my dad took me down to talladega one time when we lived really? in Nashville. And i'll tell you that was a cultural experience like if i was in a college class and they're like you need one cultural event that would be it, it. that should have counted i'm telling you what equal um, to woodstock oh my goodness <laughs> just just first of all wow the the massive amounts of of alcohol that one person could consume was just shockingly large you know mm -hmm. at that event and there's this guy in front of me that's got like he's got his really hairy chest and no shirt on the whole time like he must have he must have been used to this because he would have been beat red you know if he wasn't in the sun a lot like that but he shaved an 88 into his chest hair. oh my gosh <laughs> and so anytime oh anytime dale jr is like near the front he would like get up he like with his beer is and so like i'm like okay man got it you know and then uh there's, there's this lady sitting right next to me obviously had some work done in a very low cut shirt okay there's this <laughs> hispanic guy to the left of the dale jr fan and when the race is about over he stands up and you know how like steep the seating is so he yes. just stands up he turns around snaps a picture of her like like two feet in front of her and then leaves i'm like did that just happen yeah, you know? <laughs> this is insane over here and so there was another race after that one too it was some kind of double header thing and i'm like we're not staying for another one are we like i'm tired oh wow we drove down and back in the same day like like we've got to still drive back to nashville today yeah like, i've heard a lot about race. the talladega oh man yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah fun times though so here we are we live in zephyr hills and um i don't i can't even i don't know the first time i met you i don't remember that i do you do okay yeah, i me. do because uh i got a message i was at meals on wheels uh -huh. and uh you were you had signed up to come do a route okay and you didn't come do a route you <laughs> had your appendix burst oh yeah 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 that and was early on. That that was the very first time I met you, and so you you weren't able to do that. And um, they said, yeah, he's a local pastor, and um, and at the time Ann was working there. Okay. If you remember, you probably remember yeah. Ann. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It was a few weeks later, and then here you came. Then I, then I showed up. And, and then you showed up. And, yeah. And yeah. to be honest, I was expecting an old gentleman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, they said that this pastor from the church was coming over, and. So that was the very first time that I met you was there. Yeah, so my appendix burst on Good Friday. Well, it didn't burst, but I mean it was it was fixing to On the verge, yeah. It was fixing to. It was on Good Friday and I woke up that day and I was like, dang you Pizza Hut that I had the night before. Oh, yeah. The indigestion of some kind. I'm like, what is this? You know, and so the day went on. I ate, I ate breakfast. I ate lunch. Uh, my parents hadn't moved down to Florida, but they, they were visiting for Easter. And so I remember we went to lunch with them at the place. It was, um, um, well, it's RJ's chicken now, fried chicken, but it was, um, it was a little cafe. Barb's. Barb's, Barb's restaurant. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, let's go to Barb's restaurant. And so we went there and we're eating lunch, meeting like a club sandwich or something like that. And I'm like, man, this is still like, it's getting a little worse, you know, whatever's going on. Like I've never, never had something quite like this, but it wasn't excruciating. And I'm like, I'm a tough it out kind of guy, you know? I'm like i don't think i can tough this out I'm like if this doesn't go away by the next few hours i'll, I'll go into like you know to the um, um emergency room or something so i went in and or first i went to the um, urgent care and they're like doing all their stuff they're like oh let's take your weight and your blood pressure and all this stuff that they always do and then they're like 
the doctor will be in in a minute. And then he's like, okay, lay back. And he's like, does this hurt? 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 Ah! <laughs> That's your appendix, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, he's like, you got to go to the ER, buddy. And so by, I think, about 11, 11.30 that night, they had, they had already finished the surgery. My appendix is out. I'm high as a kite. And, yeah. Like, the nurses are rolling because when they put me on, like, hospital drugs, I'm hilarious. Okay? <laughs> and so, like, no filter, just saying all this stuff. And they're like, he's a pastor, too. You know, and all that stuff. Like, like we should record this. This is hilarious. You know, we'll try to we'll try to get him on a, uh, <laughs> we'll try to get him someday. And he'll be like, can I have a copy of that? That's hilarious. Like, the Indonesian president. Never mind. Anyway. Um, and so, so, um think i think they let me out saturday afternoon so i wasn't even in the hospital for 24 hours mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, i was, yeah, I was scheduled to preach the easter sunrise service at the hospital and that's something we do like pretty much every year here it's pretty cool they've been doing that and i i got home and like the my medication wasn't ready at the cvs or walgreens or whatever yet and all this so like the pain's starting to come in finally i get my meds i take that I didn't sleep very well that night at home. So about 1.30, I was wide awake. I'm like, well, I missed the walkthrough thing yesterday at the at where the stage is at the hospital. So I want to see what this looks like and know where I'm going to be in the morning. And so I've got this like cane and I'm walking and I just go up there at like 2 a.m. looking at the oh stage. My God. There's a security guy there. He's like, can I help you? I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Should I just wait? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if you guys don't let me out of this hospital, I will walk out there with my gown and I will preach and I will come back, you know. But uh, so I did that. And then I actually had a funeral the next day for somebody. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so like that night I met with his family because I wanted to get like stories from him. I talked with the daughter uh, who came down. She was actually from Tennessee. But like she was there with her sons and her husband. And, and I wanted to get a few stories of her dad. I, I When I do funerals, I make them very personal about that person's life and then tie it in with a story from scripture and things like that. And I told her, I'm like, hey, listen like 24 hours ago i just got out of the hospital so i need to make this kind of quick so three hours later they're still in my office telling me all these stories i'm like my pain drugs have worn off i've got to go you know and so then the next day monday i'm doing the funeral uh burial and i was like as soon as this burial's over i'm going home and i'm sleeping and i'm resting like i should so that's probably why i missed my shift at meals on wheels but um you've really grown that place since then though I mean, that Meals on Wheels was in this little building, you know, mm-hmm. not even 2,000 square feet and um, doing a lot of good there. But tell us a little bit about your move, you know, about a little over a year ago, right? Yeah, we did. We were, uh, and that that's story is a beautiful God story, how that happened. But um, we just ran it. We just outgrew that other facility yeah. and we needed uh how long have they been at that facility Do you know you know time? nick i don't know uh meals on wheels here in in town has been here since 1974 yeah and they i know that we have the paperwork somewhere and i did see it at one time but i knew i know that they were at that old building at least 20 years okay and probably so for longer 20 years it was big enough but you mm-hmm. had a, you had a bit bigger vision mm-hmm. and you started working on it mm-hmm. and, and i I'm I'm saying that for a reason. I think there's some there's a there's like a principle there that I think is useful for people to hear and that's you know if if God's put a vision on your heart or even if you don't think it's from God if you're just doing something you know we started talking about Harriet Tubman earlier mm-hmm. and just like if you have that platform and that voice you should be doing it. And if you're there and you're saying we can do more sometimes it feels like there's something that you know there's always going to be people or 
or obstacles that show up and say, well, we can't because of this. Well, Beth, we can't expand our thing because look how small our building is. Mm -hmm. And we're a nonprofit organization that's not funded by the government, right? Like you don't mm -hmm. receive government funding. Right. So how can we possibly think that we're going to grow beyond this building? And yet here you are. Mm -hmm. So so what, you know, kind of how did that dream start to take place for you to expand to where you're at now? You know, in all truthfulness, I just continued to pray and we, we would we would pray um, for God to just open a door, whatever he wants us to do, whatever path he wants us to take. You know, I've all, I've always said, you know, if he's going to call you to, um, to something, mm -hmm. there's going to be obstacles and, and pitfalls and, and barriers, but he, he will always remove those. So if he calls you to something, he's going to remove those obstacles. So I never worried about how or why. And mm -hmm. I, I never did. I just knew, okay, well, this is, now this door is open so we're gonna have to go through it and see what's on the other side and i don't i do not like the word no so if somebody <laughs> tells me no or uh you know i don't think that can be done and i don't know if it's a defiant way to say well i'm going to make sure i get it done but i believe that there's always a, a path to accomplish something not in a not in a defiant way but um i just have a I, I'm able to see visions. Yeah. You know, not, I, I don't want you to think, I, I'm speaking metaphorically. I, I have a vision. You know what? We can do that. I think if that's we why just, we call it a vision, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. You see so, it, you're going to make it happen. Exactly. So, you know, if I, if I try this, I think that this is going to happen. So, you know, to kind of give you a, a, a idea, uh, when I took over the Meals on Wheels, we got uh, Publix bread every day that was what our donation was and that was what we were able to give out and pass out and that was all we got was Publix bread every day yeah and donuts a lot of those donuts. yeah and a lot of donuts <laughs> now up and I did this report um, this report was done two weeks ago uh, which was what the middle of May or the yeah. beginning of May we had already received 829,000 pounds of food hang on we're close to a million pounds of food, less than halfway into the year. Yes, yes. Now, obviously, you guys don't use all that in the no. house with your, I mean, you got 160 no. plus um, We deliver 160 meals. plus meals a day, right. Uh, but then we... Um, but you're a pass-through organization as well. Yes, yes. So we act as the food bank. Yeah. And then uh, every day, a couple charity, a couple food pantries come to us, and then we provide them their food that they take out into the communities and yeah. feed feed our residents, yes. Wow. So now, you, you do more than just a couple, though. I mean, you supply, at, maybe not every day, but on a regular basis to... About 14. 14, 14 food pantries. And we pantries. go all the way up to uh, Trilby, Lacucci area up there. Yeah. For people mm -hmm. outside of this area, Lacucci is a real name of a town in this community. Yes, and it's a food desert. You know, they, they have They have a... They have a couple... Gas stations uh, yeah, with like and, crispy fried chicken. Yeah. And, uh, I don't even think they have a Dollar General. Yeah, they have a Dollar, have a dollar General. General. Yeah. Yeah. That's and my girlfriend it. used to call it. She worked at the post office with me. And she said, I got to stop at the Lucucci Mall on the way home. <laughs> and I said, You got to stop where? And she said, The, the Lucucci Mall. And I said, Lucucci has a mall. She goes, Well, no, it's a Dollar General, but we call it the Lucucci Mall. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my oh, God. Man. So, yeah, but that's all that they have. So they don't have. 
yeah. uh, access to any of those other resources. And many of those people up there don't have vehicles and that well, sort of thing. And when we talk very... about a food desert, I mean, there's it's not that there's zero food around. It's that there's zero healthy food. It's very, no yes, fresh food. absolutely, absolutely. You know, the, That's best what you, that means. the best you can hope for, like a Dollar General is great for having like a little bit mm -hmm. of dairy, you know, some milk, mm -hmm. some cheese, some, some meats, some mm -hmm. frozen foods. You can find food where you won't starve. Yes. But it's not healthy. No. There's no veggies. Full full of preservatives, saturated fats, all of all sodium is I was gonna say canned know. veggies are barely better than any than nothing. I yeah, mean, absolutely. So that's know. what they have access to. Yeah. So it's a blessing to be able and then we have two churches in Date City that, mm -hmm. that do that as well and, and are able to reach out and, you know, further yeah. carry that. So So you guys are going like regular, like every, every day, day. Every day. Every day you've got a van you got a refrigerated van and a, uh, and and a, a box, box truck. truck yes and you're going to multiple places yes. a day picking up food. Every, every single day yes uh, yesterday we picked up 4200 pounds of produce good heavens mm -hmm. and we kept um maybe seven eight hundred pounds of it the yeah. rest of it all went to charities wow food pantries and it all so everything that comes into our facility has to be weighed you and weigh, sorted. Yeah, I've helped with that yep. one time. Yeah, it gets processed. I'm and... not a regular volunteer, but I was there one time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I'm not going to stand around. I'm going to help mm -hmm. carry a couple boxes. And mm -hmm. it was just like really neat to see the train of people bringing boxes mm -hmm. in, and, and they get weighed and sorted, and, then... and it has to go by by uh, department yeah. on the on the uh, store that it comes from, and which store it gets. But we get. Uh, Wawa, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, Costco, Walmart, Winn-Dixie, uh, the Dollar Generals, um, Target, Publix, B yeah. BJ's. Uh, Save a lot. We well, we used to, uh, but Save a Lot got new owners, okay. and it was wonderful. They we had a huge uh, support system through Save a Lot, but Save a Lot got new owners, mm. and they don't donate anything. They throw it all oh. away. Which wow. is so heartbreaking, That's nice. uh, because we should not be living in a country where things get thrown away, but we yeah. do. You know, I think, I think that's one of the things. Excuse me, my throat's been acting up a little. I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, it sometimes it's a matter of where do I donate to. You know, I get mm -hmm. a lot of people um, within like within the community, or some people even just call our church and our our church line nobody's ever like i don't I, I don't see the point i'm not saying in all churches but i'm saying for hours i don't see a point in paying somebody to just be at a desk all day waiting for people to show to, up uh, or to uh, like like the what was the old maytag man commercial like the repair man just sitting there with nothing <laughs> oh, to do yeah. because you know yeah. and we used to have somebody and and she's still a good friend of mine but she is um when i came here she was working there as a like receptionist administrator or whatever and and really there was only a few hours a week worth of like desk work office work and she honestly could have done it from home if she wanted to except for like things that needed to be printed like bulletins things mm -hmm. like that but there were people that wanted her they wanted to pay her to be there three to four days a week so that at any moment if somebody wanted to come in to talk they had somebody to talk to and well it was in reality it was just they wanted a gossip wheel they wanted a hub of a gossip wheel and so she was getting frustrated with that because she's like, this is not anything that I want to be part of, but she didn't know how to change it. So I said, oh, I can change that real fast. Um, and so we actually moved her into an office instead of at a receptionist desk mm -hmm. and then changed her responsibilities where that wasn't one of them. And so it worked really well. But, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't really see much of a point for our church of having somebody 
um, kind of there at a desk. I actually set the, the church phone where it'll just forward straight over to my mm -hmm. cell phone so that we don't miss a call that way. I said, there, problem, problem solved. solved. But I get these phone calls sometimes for people um, that have a donation to make furniture, clothing, whatever, and they just don't know where to donate it. And, and then, you know, so it's, it's funny how often, you know, when you're, when a pastor, when somebody's training to be in ministry as a pastor, they're thinking like, all right, you know, this is what it's going to be all about. You don't stop and think that I might just be taking phone calls, telling people where to donate their, their used couch or whatever, their, their old wardrobe. Um, but, uh, you know, if I can be helpful with that, I will be. But, you know, I, I, the other thing I get a lot of calls for, though, is people looking for food. And for some reason, if you go on Google and you type food pantry near me, it like, pulls up every church nearby you it's like well i don't know if google's trying to send us a message that we need to step up our game uh as a church and like provide that or or if it's just out of ignorance but it's like our church isn't doesn't have a food pantry we have a daycare child care facility that we can't just have people coming by all the time and we honestly don't have any storage room as big as our buildings are we don't have storage rooms where we could actually house a food pantry but I know other churches that do, and we've actually worked to support them. And I know that you do that as well with your organization. And it's like, so I, I know where to send people. So I get these phone calls and I'm just like, well, hey, go to this place, you know, they'll help with that. And so um, it's really neat when a community starts working together that way and and starts working to solve, um, you know, to solve some of those issues, you know, for the people that we have living amongst us. And I think that's how we started our conversation out. Mm -hmm. Harriet Tubman and things like that. If there's if there's something that you can do, you better do it. And so there's folks like you that have like the dreams, the vision to say, what more can I do? And I think we're probably kind of running about out of time now, but maybe the next time we'll talk sometime a little bit about some of the, the more specific things that, that we've got going on in our community. Um, I keep hinting at that. I had our police chief Brewer a few mm -hmm. weeks back on here and we, we hinted at that, and then uh, you know, said, hey, I got Beth coming in in a while. We're going to talk about that, and we still haven't talked about it. So someday we'll talk about the Hub Network and what that's shaping up to be and maybe have a few more stories about that. But, and I think that's a great idea because he was actually just in my office. Uh, today we had a you meeting. You weren't in trouble, were you? Well, I, you know, I tried to pull out my gun. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, right. I know better. You don't like guns. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I don't. I don't like guns. But anyway, he, uh, we're trying to resolve a couple issues that he has um, on the police force mm. with uh, volunteers. And there's a, a couple programs that he had that we, we used to be able to partner with him on. And, um, but it's really about coming together and making these organizations work together and what can we better do, you know, especially to, to assist the police. Yeah. And, and that's what the hub is all about. And, um, you know, which you and Amy and so many other organizations are such a big part of, yeah. uh, is taking care of one another. And, uh, it, you know, that's not rocket science. It's not, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just being human and we're loving our people. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's all these organizations that are out there, kind of each one that has a vision and a mission, you know, they, they know their mission is like, what's the problem and, and who are the people affected by it? that we're trying to help and their vision is how are we going to actually do that but so often it's just they're siloed out they're here mm -hmm. i'm working right here and then there's another silo right here and another one here and they're not connected at all well by the way i have one more another vision Ooh. that i'm trying to work on uh -oh. 
maybe we better talk off off screen we'll, about we'll that talk one. off screen right now because i yeah yeah that's good that's exciting um i'm you're like me with that i'm always coming up with like oh man what if we did this thing you know what if we did this and and uh i feel like but don't you think god puts that on you yeah i mean there you know the scripture says you know some are not called to be teachers some are not called to be preachers yeah. but we have each been given a gift and whatever that is use it to the best of your ability period it doesn't matter what it is if you are the best snowboarder snowboard if you're the best tree climber tree climb if you're the best bs or b you know what i mean I've everybody met a few has of those. i know i'm married to one <laughs> i'm like oh my gosh where do you get this stuff i call uh -huh. it bug mating it's anything educational i don't need to know about but he knows it all <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> i did not know that but thank you for letting me know he cracks me up so but that you know do what you can do yeah. and do it to the best of your ability yeah and and i don't think there's any <laughs> one of us that that can sit there and say well I'm I'm nobody. I don't have any any special knowledge or skill or whatever. It's like, okay, but what is it that you're doing? Um, I remember my grandfather, who was never really like a theologian. Um, I don't even remember if he ever even taught Sunday school or anything like that. But he spent his time around. I mean, not all of his time, but he 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 took his family to church. They worked around the church, mowing the grass, doing whatever needed to be done. And one of the things that um, I remember him talking about was, you know, they would do their, they had the, the Sunday school quarterly handouts, things that would come from the Sunday school class, and they would have daily devotions in there, and then you'd bring it with you to class on Sundays, and that's what the lesson was on. And so they would go through their Sunday school paper, curriculum, whatever, devotionals, and and that was that was about it. Like, that, I didn't expect Grandpa to get too much, like, deeper with the theology of Christian faith or anything like that. But every now and then he would find something in his reading of scripture he would say you know and he would try to like come up with the, an understanding for it and he said there's moses you know and god's talking to him saying you're gonna you're gonna go free the people from egypt you know you're gonna bring israel the israelites mm -hmm. out of egypt and moses has given him all these excuses why, why he, he can't, can't. and mm -hmm. i love it too by the way this is my two cents worth moses is like First of all, he's like, well, but I don't, I don't know anything. Well, my mouth doesn't work very well. You know, well, I'm just this or that. And, and finally God has an answer for all those things. Like who gave man his mouth? You know, all this stuff. Finally, Moses just says, can you just send somebody else? <laughs> like he's got no excuse. Just, just, just put yeah, someone done. else yeah. like next on the list, please. You know, but so when he's, when he's got all these excuses and this is what my grandpa pointed out, God said to Moses, he's like, what's in your hand? And Moses says, it's a staff. My grandpa said, if I could write a translation of the Bible, I would just correct a few things. I would say, it's just a stick, because that's really all it was. Mm -hmm. He called it a staff because it had a special purpose for, for shepherding the sheep, and it was a shepherd's staff. But in reality, it's a it's a, it's a stick. It's a piece of wood, yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I would go out into the woods with my brother. We had this like forest behind our house, and the first thing we'd always do, if we couldn't find one that we leaned up against a tree, you got to find a perfect hiking stick, the mm -hmm. perfect walking Absolutely. stick. Absolutely. And and maybe you get your pocket knife, you carve a little handhold on it, but there's an art to finding the perfect hiking stick, mm -hmm. you know? It's got to be just light enough, but just strong enough that it's not going to collapse, like all this stuff. There's a science to it. Anyway, um, Moses just had a stick. It was a special stick for a special purpose, but it was just a stick. But when he handed it over to God, he's like, okay, you know, now all of a sudden that it, the Bible actually changes it. It says, and Moses carried the staff of the Lord. He allowed God to sanctify that stick for God's purposes. Now uh -huh. all of a sudden it's the Lord's staff. And so 
my grandpa pointed that out and and that stuck you know it really stuck with me all those years since i've heard it and so whatever you find yourself doing whether it's running uh an, an already well-established organization that's in a smallish building and is doing some good work but you see a vision that it can be so much more then in when you place that in the hands of god it it can and will be so mm-hmm. much more. So whatever it is that you're doing, don't just say, I'm just me. I'm just this little thing. Hand it over to God and see what he'll do with it. Absolutely. You open up your hand, let go, and watch him fill it up. It's just, yeah. Yeah. We'll let go of whatever you're hanging on to. And he just, you, because you can't outgive him. Right. And so he'll just continue to fill it up, fill it up. Yeah. And I'll leave you with this because I Perfect. saw it and it was just absolutely, uh, uh, just very profound for me. But it was... uh I don't know, about two or three months ago. But it, you, you know how big my yard is. And it's this great big old green yard. And there was the tiniest, I, I maybe a little bit bigger than a um, pencil eraser and smaller than that cap, purple flower. Mm-hmm. And out of that whole yard, you could see this purple flower. And I said, you know, Look, you may think how tiny and insignificant that little flower yeah. is, but look at the beauty that it creates in this vastness. And you're seeing it stand out in and the you're midst seeing, of the lawn. Yeah. And so flower. we often think, I, I've thought about that for myself. You know, I really don't have anything to give. You know, I'm short, I'm fat, I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever. Uh, but I'm actually a child of God, and he's yeah. called me to be a servant. And so just like that little bitty flower it probably says, oh my goodness, I'm nothing here. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pure beauty. beauty yeah. It's pure beauty. So if my daughter was in your yard, she would have picked that flower. She would have picked that flower. <laughs> she, yeah. She's that kid that could be out there in, in a like if she was in a soccer game or something as a little kid, you know, she'd be like looking for a flower on the field and sitting there <laughs> picking it while the ball getting kicked all around her, you oh, know. Uh, but anyway, yeah. she, she loves picking flowers. I'm like, hey, honey, that's a weed. She's like, no, it's a it's pretty a flower. flower. I'm like, well. See, there you go. It's but a weed, but it's a you flower You can ask Jeff. I think I'm right on this. What I learned was that the definition of a weed is any any plant material is growing in a place where it's not desired to grow. Like if you don't want it growing there, it's a weed. So, you know, we think of like lawn weeds. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but if you've got grass growing in your flower bed, that's a weed too. Like it's not just lawn, it's grass. So uh, anyway, well, hey, listen, Beth, thanks for being here. Um, oh, we'll put you, some Mr. links Nick. in the show notes and the show description about, you know, Meals on Wheels, um, the Genesis Center that you guys operate as part of Yeah, that. we're having our website redone. So oh, yeah, cool. they can follow along and check the new yeah changes going on there so right on but yeah we'll uh we'll post all that stuff in there and probably a few other little links here cool. there to some stuff and um this has been you know, fun yeah i enjoyed it thanks for coming thanks in. for this amy yeah amy thanks for we didn't uh, get any golden girl bit. quotes in here uh not too many can i ask a dumb question Better than anyone I know. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the sad thing is, I, I need that, that one. one. I need that one. I'm going to come up with another the, one. The one that keeps rolling through my head is, uh, quiet, you trash. All right, folks, that's it. Thanks. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. Watching. We appreciate it.